When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy, they're going to get accountability, they're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 154 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly and Andy. 154 sacrifice bunts from the 1929 Giants. I bet you knew that already. <laughs> well, I and, and I'm sure that uh, Gabe Kapler will want to challenge that record next year. With all the sacrificing <laughs> that he likes to do, all the uh, little small ball uh, giveaway outs. Who, who needs outs? You know, they're not that important. We can just give them right away and advance guys from first to second. Mel Ott was almost the subject of this uh, podcast because he had 151 runs batted in. He had 10 sacrifice bunts. Uh, the Giants finished in third place that year. Here's a hint. Maybe don't bunt Melot when he's got 151 <laughs> runs batted in. You know, it is funny when you go, go uh, like, you pick up somebody like a, a, a Prince Fielder and uh, and you look up, oh, gosh, how many sacrifices do they have in their career? <laughs> and it's it's like, oh, zero. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably how it should be. Probably how it should be. Well, we're not here to talk about the 1929 Giants. We're here to talk about the 2021 Giants. And uh, they just keep winning. I mean, they just, they, they, they're winning. They, they, I guess they should win against the Diamondbacks and the Rockies at home. It's not like we should be surprised, but they're, they're five and one on their current homestand as of right now. Uh, they're, they're playing good baseball like it's not like you should take bonus points away from them for beating the Diamondbacks and Rockies they're just doing what they're supposed to be doing I mean it's getting kind of ridiculous I I wonder if you could crawl inside the mind of a Rockies player or a Diamondbacks player I mean when you've lost 14 out of 16 to the same team in one year I mean don't you feel a little bit bad for them I mean what, what was the what what what's the what's that clubhouse like before they take the field when you've lost 14 out of 16 to one team i mean i got to think that it's uh It'd be a little tough to to get the juices flowing. Yeah, no, I I mean that combined against the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, the Giants are twenty five and six. I mean that is a big chunk of their record. And you're right, it's at one point. You know, I remember when the Giants in two thousand ten they had just the roughest time against the Padres. They really really struggled. Eventually, it turned around. Their their luck turned around. They they stopped giving up the bloops. They started getting some of the bloops, and that's just the natural order of things. You figure that it's going to be cyclical. At what point does it just become like the point of no return where every time you're going against the Giants, you realize, okay, at some point, some dude I hadn't heard of before this year is going to get a big hit or some old dude's going to get a big hit. Whatever. Just bring it on me. Bring it on me, God. You know, like at what point? (laughs) 
I don't know, but uh, you got to think there's going to be a little wobble here, right? I mean, they, they got to keep it somewhat interesting. It's, uh, you know, if, if, if we record this podcast again by this time next week and they go six and one again, uh, it's like, what are we going to talk about? I mean, we have, <laughs> we have to have some things to worry and fret about, don't we? That's a good point because it brings up the next, gosh, month, uh, more than a month of Giants baseball, um, where I'm looking at all the baseball that's going on between now and September uh, 26th, right? That's a long time from now. That is well over a month. I count three games where I feel like, yeah, they probably, like, I, that shouldn't be a surprise. And that's a three-game series against the Cubs, the very depleted Cubs, the Chris Bryantless Cubs. Other than that, it's like A's, Brewers, Braves, Braves again, Padres, Rockies, uh, in Coors Field. You know, it's, it's constantly just these teams in these uncomfortable series. So, if they're going to keep it up, they're going to really, really earn it. Yeah, that's one thing that maybe we're underplaying a little bit. Not that they have games left against the Braves, who are playing better, and Dansby Swanson's like the hottest player in the major leagues right now. But uh, they've got two series left at Coors Field. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think when, when you look at a team that, you know, if there is one concern, it's probably the way the rotation is pitched in the second half and making sure that they aren't, you know, chasing innings. That That's a tough place to go. And, and even when the Rockies are, are struggling, uh, they, they play well at home. So, um, you know, I, I would not minimize the the, uh, the fact that there are still two series to play at Coors Field. You, you'd, you'd rather have that flipped and have, you know, uh, uh, two home series left against them and, and one trip to Colorado. So, you know, I think that'll be, that'll be you know, a not insignificant factor. Um, I, I guess I'm less sort of, uh, I wouldn't say concerned, because it's not really my place to be concerned, but I, 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 I guess I just don't see as... Big of a deal. Some of the teams they have left to play, uh, the Mets, even the A's, just because they've beaten the Brewers, they've beaten the Astros, they've you know they've basically beaten all comers this year, and um, you know it's it's not like I think there's any fear of them being outclassed by anybody because they've been doing the outclassing no matter who they faced. Yeah, and this is a very good point because if you have followed the Giants for more than like three months. Uh, you when you look at like the start of September, right? You've got the Brewers at home, the Dodgers at home, and then Colorado at Coors Field. To me, those are the same kinds of series. I don't look at Coors Field against the Rockies. I don't care if they're in fourth place. That to me is just as tough as a series at home against the Dodgers. I, if I were the Giants, I look at those with the exact same amount of trepidation and and fear. It's just, I think it's only natural. But also the record kind of bears that out. The Rockies are like a win team at Coors Field, basically. Yeah, and um, if you get out of your game and all of a sudden you're, you're using leverage relievers just to soak up, you know, innings to get you to the finish line of a game, then it's going to affect you the next day, too. So um, I, I just think that it's, it's – I look at what Logan Webb is doing, and and, and he's, to me, coming up huge. Uh, uh, as, as, you know, Anthony DiScofani took a timeout, he came back from the injured list. Now Johnny Cueto is taking his timeout. They're clearly pacing everybody's innings, and Logan Webb had that in the first half, you know, when he, he – he, uh, was out for quite a while with a sore shoulder, but man, oh man, he's just uh, he's been so terrific. And if he can keep that going, that that to me is going to be a big key. And the other one that's going to be really interesting to watch is just to see what they do 
um, you know, with with the rest of this this team and how many people they want to keep together, and if some of these decisions are going to be made before they even get to the postseason. They've obviously made one big decision with Brandon Crawford, extending him for two more years at thirty two million. Uh, and from the sounds of everything coming uh, from Farhan Zaidi, they want to keep uh, a lot of these guys together who've been successful, whether it's Brandon Belt or Buster Posey. Uh, uh, maybe even Johnny Cueto, who knows? Uh, Gosman, Di Sclafani, Alex Wood. Uh, how many of these guys, they might wrap up before the year is even over. I mean, if it's happened once, nothing really uh, tells you that uh, it's possible that they could just keep going along the, those lines and, and extending more people. Yeah, it is. It's a good crew, obviously. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, they all get along. They all play baseball at a high level. Um, and it, it's funny to think about the rotation because it used to be uh, kind of like a, a boogeyman or a monster under the bed when we used to say, you know, Next year, the 2022 Giants, they only have one starting pitcher under contract, and that is Logan Webb. And it was kind of like an aha, like they have a lot of work to do. And now it's like, yeah, they got Logan Webb. That's a hell of a start because Logan Webb's season has been, I mean, on April 20th, he gave up four runs against the Phillies. His ERA was close to six. And you're thinking, okay, you know, they're going to bring him along. He's going to have his ups and downs, but he's not the focus this year. They're going to have to build around him, maybe move him to the bullpen. Maybe he can be like that uh, Yusmero Petit kind of uh, pitcher. And since I think the middle of May, the beginning of May, he has been uh, otherworldly. I mean, he's still not throwing seven innings. He's still not throwing eight innings, but I think he's got four of the Giants' last six quality starts over the past month. He's just throwing six innings, missing bats. His command, his control is a lot better. He's the pitcher the Giants were hoping that he'd be. And I would say that management's confidence in him, the coaching staff's confidence in him, is the main reason that they did not go out and get a starting pitcher. Because they were looking at this rotation thinking, okay, you know, who doesn't have the seniority? Who would we demote into sort of a relief or swingman role? And, you know, that would be Logan Webb. And they didn't see anybody out there that they thought was gettable at a price that was, you know, somewhat realistic that would be a slam dunk improvement on Logan Webb because they think he's really good. And obviously he's backing that up with the way he's performed. So, I mean, yeah, they absolutely were going to try to make a, a strong push for a Max Scherzer. They knew what kind of difference maker he could be at the top of that rotation. The Dodgers were able to expand that deal by getting the Nationals to add Trey Turner. And, and that's that's just not a, a space the Giants were able to compete in. Uh, so I'm sure there was a lot of disappointment there that they saw Max Scherzer go to uh, their division rival. But, you know, when it comes to all the other names that we've talked about, all the other uh, pitchers that might have been out there, um, you know, whether it was the prices were too high or, or they just didn't see them as being real true impact guys, um, they're like, you know what, let's let's just uh, ride it out with what we have and, and we'll sign a few veterans and stash them at AAA and, and, and stick them behind uh, um, some 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 emergency glass just in case. But, um, you know, right now I think Logan Webb is... is, is uh, is demonstrating that their confidence was was definitely founded on something real. One of the things that I'm reading on social media a lot is that as the the quality starts start to dry up, uh, as the the starting pitchers start to scuffle a little bit more, there I'm I'm kind of picking up on this vibe of regret of oh gosh you know did they miss their opportunity and that's a good point because there's like this unspoken thing of okay so say the Giants got I don't know Kyle Gibson or Kenta Maeda um, you know like a 
good pitcher, but maybe not a pitcher who is necessarily a big time difference maker. Uh, who moves out of the rotation for him? Is it is it Alex Wood, who yesterday had a fantastic start, uh, and the start before that was actually pretty darn good until he gave up five runs in like two seconds. Um, so you know he's pitching he's pitching well. He's got a lot of confidence. Uh, he kept mentioning mentioning yesterday uh, the confidence he had in his changeup and how he feels like he's in a good spot there. So you're not going to take him out. Obviously, Gossman and and Disclafani, you're not taking out. Johnny Cueto, you're going to want to have around for the stretch run. You're going to want to have him uh, make some postseason starts, perhaps. Logan Webb has an ERA of uh, 153 in his last 10 starts. So who was going to make room for this marginal upgrade if it was even an upgrade? So once you've eliminated that, it had to be, I don't know, Scherzer, maybe maybe Jose Barrios. And I don't know that that's not you just don't go to like CVS and pick up a Max Scherzer. It's, it's right. more complicated than that. And you saw what a, what what it took to get a guy like Barrios. But the other thing is that, you know, if the Giants were to add someone more likely than not, they would have been someone who wouldn't have been optionable. And so, you know, clearly they're they're showing you what their strategy is. And it is, you know, you're going on the 10 day injured list. You're freshening yourself up. You know, we're going to manage your innings. And if we have to plug uh, with a bullpen game with, you know, Sammy Long throwing, you know, four innings or, or three innings or whatever uh, every once in a while, we're not afraid to do that. Um, and, and they have enough optional optionable pieces that they can bring people up and and oh yeah sometimes the guy they bring up throws 104 miles per hour so <laughs> um you know that, I, I think they feel good about their their pitching depth and, and where they are now um it, it's not you know top level depth it's not like they're going to throw stars after stars after star after you but that's not what this whole season has been about i mean if they tried to wow you with big names um you know that that would have been an approach that uh uh, you know, I, I think another team might have taken, but they—they that—that's not the way that they've rolled. That—that's not. Uh, you know, they're not going to go out and trade for Andrew McCutcheon and 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 plug in a big name and, and say, okay, we fixed it. Uh, you know, they—they they obviously have a much more nuanced uh, idea about how they can leverage all of these little advantages uh, to to put themselves in a good position to win games and win series. And I, you can't argue with with, uh, with with the results so far. One of the the cult heroes, I guess, of the last week, just uh, someone who is hitting another level. Uh, and I just want to talk about him because it, it feels like he's someone that would be very, very easy to ignore. Zach Littell. Um, I, I'm not saying that he is going to be like some sort of late inning dominant force, but what he's done for the Giants uh, over this month where he's come in, he had to get a, a four-pitch save against the Rockies when, the, when the, the walls were kind of burning around him. He had three innings in the loss on Saturday, uh, but there were three strong innings. They really uh, absorbed pitches from the rest of the bullpen. He's kind of becoming like a, a guy, and the bullpen is sort of finding these guys around him who are starting to, like Dominic Leone, Jay Jackson, they're, they're moving from like roster churn to, hmm, maybe we got something here. Here. Yeah, and um, you know they they were able to uh, have Jackson go on the COVID list because of a vaccine reaction, and, and I'm sure he'll be back. Uh, basically, he can be back any time, uh, or they did reinstate him, I think, already. So um, yeah, and 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 meanwhile, they're still doing that thing that they do, finding a a way to use an open forty man spot to to keep claiming guys off waivers. I think that's the last thing uh, they they'd be doing is is going out and claiming more players. But you know, they got outfielder uh, Luis Gonzalez, interesting guy who's uh, now going to be on the 60-day injured list, and and he's had uh, shoulder surgery, so they'll they'll tuck him into their system, and it's just one more you know little little uh, 
uh, sparkly bit to put in the in their nest uh, that that may turn out to be next year's Mikey Stremski. Who knows? Um, so it, it never ends, and that that's I think the part that that's fun about this front office, this organization to cover is that they never stop working. They really don't. They never they never stop uh, um, basically keeping the volume turned up uh, and, and trying to find ways that they can uh, make incremental improvements, even when you're already, you know, sitting, you know, 30 plus games over 500. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think the one thing I keep coming back to, and we look at all the different factors for why the Giants are where they are. And I don't think we can minimize a Kevin Gossman. I don't think we can minimize the, the pitching bets that they made. Uh, we know that the old guys have been huge Crawford, Posey, Longoria. I've got an NL MVP vote this year, and I got to figure Brandon Crawford's going to be in my top five, um, you know, without really doing any research off the, just off the top of my head. You know, all of these things are, are, are worthy, like the 1A factor. But for me, the, the biggest factor is home runs hit versus home runs allowed. I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Not not just that the Giants are leading the majors in home runs, but they're allowing the third fewest home runs. And that's, uh, I think, basically a home run differential of about 60. Uh, when you do that sure. over 115, 116 games, that's a half a run a game that they're getting. Uh, I mean, just going in, they're getting a half a run more a game on on home run differential. And it's no wonder that they're winning so much. You know, that's an excellent stat to look at because it is so glaring. And then you can stack another stat on top of that where uh, the Giants have drawn 440 walks. Uh, They've allowed 313 walks. So they are they are not allowing the walks. And they're when they're giving up the home runs, that means that they're more likely to be one uh, solo home runs or or, uh, two run home runs home runs, uh, but they're also taking the walks and they're getting the dingers and it's 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 a good place to be. It's if you've watched a lot of bad teams, it's your pitchers giving up walks and then home runs and you not getting the walks and not getting the home runs. And this is the exact opposite of that. It's why the Giants are where they are. Yeah, and I think it's an even bigger strategy from you know home run suppression. Uh, it's it's no shock that the Giants are uh, leading, at least if my page will load. Uh, it's the Brewers, Cubs, and Giants uh, are one, two, three in the majors with very little separating them in ground ball to fly ball ratio. They're, mm. they're, they're getting opponents to hit ground balls better than almost any team in the major leagues. And they also have a lot of data that goes into their shifting. Uh, Brandon Crawford is obviously still a, a great shortstop. Um, they're turning a lot of those ground balls into outs because they're, you know, they, they're using a lot of their coaching methods and their and their data analysis and 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 relying on guys who are moving all around the diamond uh, to be able to to suck up those ground balls and and it's working. I mean, they've you know you just wrote the other day that basically what they're doing is is they're playing clean baseball. And a lot of times you just need to play a clean game to win and maybe your opponent will will self-destruct and and turn a a six-run inning for you with a couple of uh, uh, errors or whatever. And and just play a clean game and you win and and they've won their share of games by doing just that. So, you know, launching on offense, de-launching on, on pitching, and, um, and, and and getting those ground balls and turning them into outs at a really, really elite rate. Uh, I mean, gosh, it, it's it almost is it's a little dizzying 
to, because you want to point out all these things that they're doing so well, and then you realize <laughs> they're just doing everything well. When you mentioned that they have uh, the the ground ball to fly ball ratio in the right direction, where they're they're making hitters beat it on the ground, it's not like they have just a staff full of sinker ballers and only sinker ballers. Like it's not like this is just a team that lives at the bottom of the zone and that's all that they do. That that's the only way they can win because they have a lot of pitchers who live uh, at the top of the zone. But they combine that with an ability to beat you below the zone. If you're thinking about Gossman, he wants fastball up, splitter down. If you're thinking about Disclafani, he wants fastball up, he wants slider down. Uh, Logan Webb, even he's got a great sinker, but he's still going to beat you with it up occasionally, and then he's going to uh, do the slider and the, the change up down. That's the template. It's you have Alex Wood up with the fastball down, and they're just so good at executing that. Uh, it's causing a lot of ground balls. I mean, they're not blowing away the world in strikeouts. It's they're putting balls in play in the right way. Yeah, and Webb is a great example. If you look at his um, pitch percentage by season on Baseball Savant, uh, his sinker. Uh, used to be his uh, number four pitch, and now it's his number one pitch. He throws it about 35% of the time, and it's, he's got a great spin rate on it. So it's uh, it's a pitch that he's getting a lot of ground balls on. But then you look at his slider, and that's his number two pitch now. That used to be his number three uh, or, or number four. So he's a sinker slider guy, and that's kind of what pitching used to be about... <laughs> 20 years ago. I mean, everyone was sinker, slider, sinker, slider, sinker, slider, and, and, and you know, get ground balls, get quick outs, Bob Tewksbury your way to an 88-pitch complete game. And and that's just, I mean, the launch angle revolution kind of eliminated that. But if you've got an elite sinker and you can pair it off a slider that's got a lot of um, horizontal movement, uh, his slider, people are batting 141 against it. And the whiff percentage on the pitch is 46%. I mean, that is an elite, hmm. elite pitch. And we haven't even gotten to his changeup yet, uh, which, which uh, you know, is obviously what makes those other two pitches play so well because he's able to disrupt timing. So, yeah, I, I just think you, you look at what Logan Webb is doing and the way he's grown over this season, how he's evolved as a pitcher, and it just fits every one of the philosophies that we've been talking about. And if he can keep doing that, I mean... Yeah, like you said, uh, none of these other guys are under contract quite yet, but Logan Webb is a pretty darn good place to start uh, next year's rotation, I think. When you look at his heat map for his sinker, it's wild. He bites off a ton of strike zone constantly. He's not just, you know, burying it under the zone or trying to get hitters to, to pound it in the ground. He's really just biting off a ton of strike zone with that because it's so good. I mean, it's it's just a really good pitch with a ton of movement, and it's hard for hitters to square up. I think it's, it's kind of a unicorn pitch in a way because hitters aren't seeing a lot of these kinds of sinkers these days. Yeah, I agree. And that's probably the biggest thing that they needed to, the coaches needed to instill in him, which which is throw strikes with it. It's good enough. Don't pitch away from contact <laughs> with, uh, with with everything. Uh, you have certain pitches that you do want to use to, to put people away and, and you do want to get the swing and miss on, but you don't have to take that approach with every pitch you throw. And sometimes, uh, you know, what you have is good enough that you can make life easy on yourself by getting those contact outs uh, when you have uh, an elite offering like that sinker. But um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I just think that uh, you've seen a lot of growth from him, uh, you know, personally, I think, too, just talking to him, um, you know, informally a few times this season, he just seems to be more confident, more comfortable. And, you know, that's all part of the maturation process. That's all part of, of 
getting a guy to finish that last stage of development in the big leagues and, and have that sense of belonging. And uh, I don't think there's any question that that uh, Logan Webb has been a real success story along those lines. All right, you mentioned that you have an MVP vote this year and that you're going to consider Brandon Crawford uh, somewhere close to the top of your ballot. And uh, I, for the first time uh, in my professional baseball writing career, I have a vote. I'm going to be voting for uh, National League Rookie of the Year this year. And I'm going to uh, just let you know that I'm probably going to vote for Brandon Crawford as well. Um, (laughs) I'm going to shoot my shot. You know what I mean? This is my first time. I want to make it memorable. No, all right, so let's talk about Brandon Crawford. Uh, At the very end of last week's episode, we both sort of acknowledged almost as a given that Brandon Crawford was the best idea for shortstop for the Giants in 2022 and uh, maybe 2023. And it was just so obvious before the extension was signed. uh, I want to impress that on everyone. Like, this makes so much sense. You know, it does. And gosh darn it, why didn't we just say he's going to sign an extension? Probably within 72 (laughs) hours. Just make ourselves look so much smarter than we are. I think we did okay. I think we quitted ourselves. I I think we kind of like dropped that little little bird seed there and we we looked smarter because of it. That just doesn't always happen. (laughs) Yeah, I did say, you know, just a few minutes ago that maybe the Giants are going to get extension happy with everyone. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. I think if you're, you know, uh, uh, whether you're an Anthony Scalfani or or Kevin Gossman, you owe it to yourself you know, maybe uh, to to look at the open market. Uh, Buster Posey is probably the next guy who's just obvious. We know that Buster's going to be back next year, and it's just a matter of how they, um, you know, rewrite the contract or, or what they do with the option year, um, you know, what they sort of turn that into. And, and I think you can go maybe even more than two years because you, you're probably going to have a DH in the National League. But, you know, maybe the mm-hmm. Giants want to wait. Maybe they want to wait and say, you know, let, let's, let's see if we have a little more clarity on what happens there. I don't know how they can... Uh, sort of get an answer about the DH before they'd have to at least move on on the option, picking that up or not. But um, th- that, that would be the next one that I would think would be so automatic that it wouldn't surprise me if it got done before the season ended. Uh, but Crawford was, was probably the easiest one to do because you knew that he did not want to play anywhere else. He did not want to to be anything but a giant. He, he has as much ties to the franchise as anybody who's ever played for them. Um in terms of just going back to the time he was in T-ball. So, um, and, and, and it made sense from, from a standpoint of, hey, you know, this guy is still an elite player. Uh, he's obviously tapped into a lot of things that he, um, he wasn't doing in the past, and uh, he's still a, a huge two-way presence. Um, and, you know, the, some of those skills have aged pretty well thus far and and it's a it's a good wager and they have the payroll flexibility even if it uh, turns out to blow up in their face um you know to to extend him for two more years and so i think there was just so much mutual interest there and that's always a great place to start to actually get something done when you're not up against a clock or you're not up against a deadline uh, which they weren't so um you know it's always difficult to negotiate during a season um, but you know that maybe it also helps that the Giants are as far over 500 as they are right now. If they were battling for the second wild card spot, and it may be a little bit more of a distraction to try to extend a player. But um, you know, clearly this was something that all sides saw as a positive, and 
I, I think it's even something that that can further bring more momentum to the clubhouse. You know, it's uh, when they went and got Chris Bryant, you saw just people levitating. They were walking on air. They were so happy. And I think that, uh, um, you know, this is probably another thing along those lines that everybody in that clubhouse will puff out their chests a little bit more knowing that, hey, you know, Brandon Crawford is going to be part of this thing going forward. When they announced the extension on the scoreboard in the middle of the fourth inning uh, on Friday night, the crowd went bananas and they gave him a standing ovation. And that, yeah, how do you not feel that in the clubhouse? It is just so bizarre to me that exactly 365 days ago, on August, entering play on August 15th, Brandon Crawford had a 454 OPS. He had played the first 20 games of last season without a single extra base hit, not one double, not one triple, certainly not a home run. The year before, he had hit 228. His uh, adjusted OPS was 74. 365 days ago, he was done. It was it was basically just like, okay, we got to just count the days until the, he's off the payroll. We can figure this out. Going to get Carlos Correa. Going to get uh, Francisco Lindor. It, it, he was done 365 days ago, one year ago. And since then, he's done so well that it, it moved from maybe he should stick around to, no, 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 this is clearly the play because it's a short-term deal. It allows them to maybe re-sign Chris Bryan or go after a huge starting pitcher uh, like Max Scherzer. It was so obvious, and it took just a year for that to become true. Yeah, stunning, isn't it? And, and you know, there's a, a euphemism that I've thrown around a little bit. Maybe some others have too. And I don't mean for it to be a pejorative, but it, it kind of has been one of those words that's taken on a little bit of a pejorative, and that's calling him a legacy player. Uh, whether it's Posey, whether it's Crawford, uh, whether it's Johnny Cueto, uh, Jeff Samarja last year, you know, players that were inherited, that maybe were part of a previous administration, that, that maybe... Uh, had a couple of World Series rings, but but you know we're we're just sort of like you know pieces that you just had to to wait through and and treat you know w- with the kid gloves and treat with respect because of what they've accomplished. Um, you can't just you know go you know uh, give out mass uh, uh, pink slips to people like Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, et cetera, et cetera, and just move on. Uh, and and clearly um, you know they you give a lot of credit to him first and foremost. Uh, for you know, buying in for saying, hey, look, you know, I don't want to be the player that I've been the last couple years. I've got, I feel enough confidence in myself that I've got more baseball left. Uh, I'm going to use these resources and these coaches and be open, uh, you know, to people who who I don't owe anything to me because I haven't put rings on their fingers. Um, but uh, you know, he he was open to that, and, and and Buster Posey's been open to that, and they've they've obviously picked up a lot from Donnie Ecker from that entire hitting group. Um, and uh, and and yeah, it's uh, it's it's really been a revelation to see how he's just he hasn't hit the skids offensively all year. He's been a productive offensive player. He's making better swing decisions. Uh, he's in a better position to drive the baseball. You'd think, oh, okay, well, it's a matter of time before you know uh, pitchers realize they can get him out here or they can get him out there. Uh, he, he's made adjustments along the way too. So uh, give a lot of credit to him because it's been uh, it's it's just been incredible to watch. A uh, guy's gone from being a uh, a legacy player you have to treat with respect, but you know, nudge gently out the door. To no, this is a guy who is a core part of what we want to do, and and represents everything that we value and that we want to extend and be part of, of future Giants teams. I mean, it's it's just such a one eighty. When I was writing up uh, my reaction to the extension, it was I was you know fifteen hundred words into it, and it was a lot of 
well, yeah, career high slugging percentage last year, and he's improved upon it this year, and he's driving with power, blah, blah, blah. And I get to the end, and it's like, I haven't talked about his defense once. <laughs> and that is when you watch the Giants day in, day out, you, you just you can't help it. You don't take it for granted, ever. It's just the steadiness is something that is all just omnipresent, and it is always impressive. And it reminds me of uh, Buster Posey just doing his thing behind the plate, and then when you saw when it wasn't there in 2020, you realize, oh my gosh, like this guy is doing amazing things every day. And I said earlier, you don't take Crawford for granted, but maybe you do because it's it's just such a, a steadiness. The plays that he makes look easy. Uh, the the easy plays that he makes look even easier. He's doing uh, just amazing stuff. Still, this is almost like his best defensive year of his career, and he's 34 years old. Yeah, the word that pops out to me when you're talking about either Buster or you're talking about Crawford at the shortstop is stability. I mean, you stabilize that position and it radiates and you stabilize the entire infield. And that that goes back to, you know, his favorite player was Royce Clayton. And when he talked to Royce Clayton, uh, you know, as he gets into the Giants organization, that's what Royce Clayton told him. He said, hey, stabilize the infield. That's your job. And uh, and gosh, he's just done such a tremendous job of it. And especially once he learned as a young player not to try to make every play and to really understand his clock and, and understand, you know, what other opponents could do and how fast they got down the line and and, uh, and and didn't feel like he could try to make every play. You know, that that's when he, he added, you know, the the sort of the, the mental skills to the physical skills. And I just, I love watching him improvise, make those improvisational plays that require so much, not just footwork, but, you know, I mean, how he makes throws from different angles. And, uh, you know, th- th- this guy could have been one hell of a quarterback, I think, because he could just make <laughs> throws from on the run and, and, and get a lot on it, you know, or, or he even did the the Omar Vizquel spin throw to, to third base, uh, you know, a, a few a series ago, it's it's uh, it's just that playmaking ability, uh, uh, matching um, the skills with the creativity, and uh, that's I think when I think of Brandon Crawford, whenever it's all said and done in his career, those will be the images I think that'll flash into my mind first. I have a half baked theory that when it comes to the shortstops who have just elite muscle memory, just elite mechanics, they do everything perfectly defensive, uh, defensively that they can get better offensively as they get older and older throughout their career. I think of Ozzie Smith. I think of Omar Vizquel. I think of Giants legend Zach Cozart. Like these (laughs) players who are just, they have everything and they're just mechanically so pure that you're able to coach these players a little bit, you know, coach them up and they can use that muscle memory, that that fast twitch reaction to become better hitters in their 30s. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. It's what's the Malcolm Gladwell outliers thing. It's... uh... Um, you know, 10,000 hours. Yeah, it's it's 10,000 hours plus, you know, if you have to have a reason uh, to stick in the big leagues if if you're a subpar hitter. And so if you can bring that value uh, on the defensive side, then you just you get more reps, you get more time with big league coaches, you get more time seeing major league pitching. And, you know, I think it's generally even if your talent level is only at a certain um, threshold, uh, if you do something more, you'll get better at it. And uh, so, yeah, I think that it's probably not super uncommon to have somebody who is a really good defensive center fielder uh, or a really good um, you know, defensive shortstop or defensive catcher. You get more time in the big leagues, uh, you, you might you know uh, improve your offensive skills over time. That's probably just one of those 
one of those truisms, I guess. All right. This has been episode 154 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. If we set any records uh, after this podcast, it'll have to have an asterisk. We will be back later in the week. We will know what the Giants did against the Mets. Can we also say um, congratulations in advance to Buster Posey on his contract extension? And we can delete this out <laughs> if he doesn't sign it. Oh, we will never delete it. Let us wear it. Let us wear it. I, I, you know what? I think that's a good call. I think that's a good call. I'm going to start typing it up right now. All right. We will see you on Thursday. Thanks so much for listening.